0: And what is going on, everybody? This is the Iron Man Podcast, episode 83 with Yang Yan Zhao, actually. Evening everyone. Oh, so how you doing, man? And as I say to anybody I have on the one-on-one shows, which is uh, tell everyone, you know, something about yourself and what would you like them to know straight out the gate, actually.
1: Uh, well, I am Yang Zhao. I have uh, a YouTube channel I've had sort of for the last four years. Um, talk a lot about comic books, movies, TV, and uh, tabletop role-playing games. Mm-hmm. It might seem like a strange combination, but it's all about the storytelling. Um, and I also have live interviews with uh, creators from all those genres. So uh, if you're on YouTube, check it out.
0: Yeah, I saw that I was checking your channel earlier. You have people on that would be like from, like you say the Iron Age. People are pushing mm-hmm. on now. So I'll ask you uh, what was your inspiration to get into doing this actually?
1: Uh, to get into interviewing people or just the YouTube channel? Just
0: content in general, actually.
1: Oh, uh, so um, I am very, very slowly writing a comic book. Uh, really? And okay. uh, so I. I worked in uh, marketing for like 15 years, but I dipped out around 2010. And that's like right around the time social media was uh, starting to become important. (laughs) So uh, when I said, uh, like around 2018, you know, I was watching uh, your boy Zach's videos and stuff. And I said, man, I always wanted to make comics. When I was uh, in the 90s, when I was a teenager, you know, I was drawing my (laughs) own comics and everything. Uh, but it never went anywhere. I said, oh, you know, I should really do it. Um, and then I thought about it and, um, you know, I, I really had no idea how YouTube worked. I didn't know how Twitter worked or Facebook. Uh, so I said, uh, OK, you know, maybe I'm going to start this. And I just started uh, making videos, reviewing books and stuff. And uh, it just so happened um, my first uh, uh, victim or interviewee was uh, Clint Stoker from Downcast fame. He happened uh, to, to make a tweet one day where he said, if anybody ever invites you on their show to talk about your book, you should go. Uh, and I had eight subs at the time. And so I tweeted to him. I was like, uh, hey, man, you want to come on and talk about your book? And, and he said yes. And uh, it just sort of went from there where, you know, I would be like, oh, I interviewed uh, Clint. So why don't you come on, too? And then people started coming for some reason.
0: OK, so then after that, I mean, before when you were becoming a content creator, I, did you have mm-hmm. a different idea of what it was like? Because that's what I was having for me before I became what I do right now. You know, I, I had this idea of what you, a YouTuber or a content creator should be and what they should be doing. And then I, I, it's so much different when you have your own stuff going on and yeah, for the sure. other life obligations going on too. That now when I look back at certain things that I said in comment section and certain things I said on like other shows in the past, <laughs> I was like, man, so, I mean, I guess some of the things I, I said were like right based off my my position, but just looking at how much goes into this is the average person would just never know. And that's why I told people, unless yep. you actually do this, you just won't know. It's not like gonna be a thing where you can probably just read up online about the general gist of like what's going on with certain jobs and certain things. This is the kind of thing where if you honestly go and do it, you just won't really know. And even if you do it, if you never do it at a, I would say at least a mid like a mid-tier average, mm-hmm. like I would say a style or like the way people would want to have their content put out to them, at least on like the lower end, you're still not going to really get it. I feel like people still don't really understand the actual way this is set up, everything that goes into it. Like, people, when you upload a video on YouTube, it, like I, I pressed me. Some people don't have a title of video. They go, What do I put a title? Honestly, my uh, ex right now starting her own channel back up again, she put on a video. She had a name and everything. She said everything. She's like, how do you put up a video? So just you know, it's like that. <laughs> people think this is so easy, could you just turn on a camera at a certain at a single certain point and get it done? But I told people everything that has got me to the point where I can turn that turn on a, a camera, hit a button to everything go live. There was a long process through that, actually. there's money invested too, you know, good quality bike, a share you can sit in where your back doesn't hurt. Little things <laughs> like that go a long way, you know? These these things just average fan is just not gonna get it. That's what I've learned. They yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, for me, the interviews and the in the making the videos are almost two separate things, but both require a lot of work, just a little bit different. Like, you know, like I said, I came from a marketing background before, so I I've done production of videos and mm-hmm. and uh, writing you want to get into that things. into marketing. Yeah, because or... you did
0: it for ten years. So I mean, you <laughs> fifteen, in fifteen-ish, like fifteen. 15? Holy crap, uh, eight. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I um, I started in '97. So originally, um, I went to I started college in '95. Uh, I was going for illustration. Absolutely hated every one of the professors in the program. So I switched over to the film department, um, and quickly came to the realization that I would never make any money doing this. And it just happened, you know the people kind of forget that the internet really only got big in 1993. So in 97, it was still pretty new. And I had a friend uh, who she was like, oh, I made $15 an hour coding this website. And I was like, I wanna make $15 an hour. I was only making like five bucks an hour working at a movie theater at the time. Mm -hmm. So I taught myself how to code, started a small uh, design company out I can make a lot more than $15 an hour. Um, And so I, it like slowly morphed from that into like, you know, I would, I would do the website and people are like, oh, well, can you, can you make us some flyers? Can you do this and that? So I like slowly shifted over into more of a marketing role. Um, Although I hated it more and more because it took me away from being creative and really making things. Uh, and by the end, I was in charge of uh, marketing for Asia Pacific for uh, a software company. And um, it was like the absolute worst job I ever had in my life.
0: Like just from boss point of views, was from coworkers or just the workload in general?
1: Uh, no, I was pretty bored. Uh, it was everything. Uh, The pay sucked and it it was kind of known in the industry as a company you work for just to make your bones. So then the next job you get pays really well. Uh, There was that, um, like I mentioned, I was doing Asia Pacific, so I was constantly butting heads with a few people. Uh, we, We were really making a push to go into Japan and we had two Japanese people who were just giving me crap all the time. They were in sales and they couldn't make their numbers, so they were trying to blame it on me. Um, uh, and, then, and it was funny because we were trying to go into China right at the end uh, and I, I lived in Tokyo for two and a half years and I lived in Beijing for four and at the end um, it started being Chinese people who were giving me crap like oh you don't know how this works in China and blah 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 <laughs> so it was uh, terrible uh, there there was an old phrase uh, from the 90s going postal that would have been me if I had stuck around in that job. I was like, no, gotta go. It's can't, like Tokyo take it.
0: Just looking at how many fandoms I've been a part of that have like Asian influence. Asian mm-hmm. people think not even just Japanese and Chinese, Taiwanese, Vietnamese. Not just that they think all differently. It's just their ideas of how things are ran, specifically from them, is very like using territorial. You even suggest yeah. they do something yeah. differently in their field that they want to make make money, and you're they're like, huh? Who who are you? <laughs> Oh God! So it was like insulting to them. You would even suggest ideas to them, given how successful they are. It's crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the the worst part was like um, the the biggest culprit, uh, the the Japanese lady. Come to find out that she was a kindergarten teacher back in Japan. She only had the sales job because her husband. Uh, they got he lived in Japan. They got married there. Came uh, to the city I was working in. Uh, and it was a city in the Midwest, so there's not very many Asian people. And the company was like, oh, well, we need a Japanese person, so you're hired. Right. Mm-hmm. She had no skills. Um, and like, I actually worked in Tokyo in marketing. And, uh, okay. you know, the, things sort of came to a head one day. Uh, we we're discussing some advertising. She's like, this is like I had um, it, it was a uh, paper print. And it was just a picture of the model from like, hmm. you know, about like here up, And she's like, oh, Japanese people don't like pictures of faces, it frightens them. And I was like, okay, hold on a minute. But what she didn't know is I, when I lived there, I kept every advertisement I came across that I thought was good or very typical Japanese. So I had like, you know, from my head to my torso, that biggest stack of advertisements and I had it at my desk. So I left the meeting. I came back in a minute. I put it on the desk and it was like, okay, big head, big head, you know, and I just went through it like that. And, it, you know, there were some C-level executives there at the time. And they're like, oh, hmm. oh, maybe yen Zhao knows what he's talking about. <laughs> but by that time it was too late for me. I just couldn't take it. See, I, basically
0: 15 years of that industry and Mm -hmm. what was the final straw like what made you just go like i'm just completely done with this i'm getting out of this industry
1: uh oh well uh the okay so at some point you got to make some money (laughs) that's you know and and it's the same thing like um even you know indie comics if you want to be an indie comics producer Uh, You want to make your own, at some point you got to make some money, right? Like you got to pay the rent. You got to, you got to feed your family, that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. And it was always like, you know, people would bring me in to fix things. I would fix things. They would become profitable. And then they'd be like, ah, screw you. Basically, you know, it's like, I don't mind working my butt off and doing as hard as I can, but I expect to be compensated for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it, it was just sort of like, Uh, the other thing was in the nineties, so few people knew how to do web stuff. Like you could pretty much name your own press. You go to a meeting and they'd hand you like a a sack with a dollar sign on it. (laughs) And, um, but, uh, by, you know, the two thousands, uh, like everybody and their brother could make it, it, you, you could make full websites for free pretty much. So, um, it just the pay kept getting worse, conditions kept getting worse, uh, and and I had just had enough. So
0: you mentioned indie comics. Were you a mm-hmm. comics guy before? Or you grew up with the com- reading comic books or anything like that with Marvel? Oh, I love comics. Okay, um, so what, what was the first comic you ever read or remember
1: reading? Actually. Ooh. Okay, so I remember being very young, and somewhere they had. Um, I guess you'd call it like a graphic novel these days, but it was like mini size. It was like this, you know, like a graphic yeah. novel for a five-year-old. Uh, and it was uh, Disney actually. Um, I can't remember if it was titled uncle Scrooge or Huey Louie Dewey, but it was all <laughs> of them. And this is before the ducktail show came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they were like going on a jungle adventure. And I remember they gave some South Pacific Island, chieftain peanut butter because big, Bellies were the status symbol out there. Uh, and it was cool. And then I remember later, somebody gave me just like a big cardboard box full of comics. And I have like, uh, I have a Crisis on Infinite Earths in there and all sorts of things. They're, they're all beat to shred. I'm not sure if I still have them, uh, but I, I read through those. But the first comic I remember buying uh, was at a gas station. My, my I was going to visit my grandma with my parents, and my dad bought me, or he let me buy a G.I. Joe comic. Uh, I think it was issue 42, just to shut me up for a three-hour car ride. Um, okay. And then after that, like, I just wanted to buy more. Like, I, I read this, I I don't remember how old I was, but I was old enough to like where, oh, this is a story. There, something happened before, something's going to happen after, and I really wanted to know. Um, hmm. And so, I I think I could, like, sneak some G.I. Joe comics. Uh, Like, I would would walk home from school and stop, like, at the grocery store or something. Um, And then, uh, but what really got me from, like, a casual reader Mm -hmm. to, like, an obsessive reader uh, was X-Men. I remember Uncanny X-Men, issue 242. Classic. Chris Claremont, Mark Silvestri, Dan Green... Uh, right in the middle of the Inferno saga. I mean, it just blew my mind. I had to know everything. So, um, like, a comic book store just opened up uh, on my walk home from school. So, like, I would go there all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was so, amazing. Uh, just a G.I. Joe comic. because it's
0: crazy because given how G.I. Joe I've been treated, just oh, movies and TVs, it's been bad. It's crazy because... I've seen all the G.I. Joe movies, and I, I grew up with that, that 90s cartoon that everyone mm-hmm. liked Cobra Commander when he looked, um, he had that space helmet. Everyone liked that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one, I see, I've never been the hugest fan of the, that particular property, but mm-hmm. I, I know enough to the point where it's like the, when I saw the movies, I was like, Ooh. bro, these are all terrible. Let's look over that first one. First of all, G.I. Joe's American story, they're an yep. army suit supposed to be fighting. The first movie, god damn, this is going to sound so crazy. People know how cringe this was back in 2009. Marlon Wayans and Channing Tatum, they made it some sort of like this weird buddy cop movie where it's a love story going on because, say, he divorced his wife. So super cringe. And then they're fighting not even army suits. They're fighting in robot suits. Like, what the fuck's is going on here? Joseph Gordon-Levitt was Cobra. You're like, okay, this can't get any worse. And then... <laughs> They tried to gaslight people for the sequel, G.I. Joe Retaliation with Bruce mm-hmm. Willis and Dwayne Johnson. It's supposed to come out. Fun fact, supposed to come out in 2012. They pushed it back because they felt like it wasn't going to make enough money when you had Dark Knight Rises, Avengers, and um, you made Spider-Man. Yes, yeah, Dark Knight Rises, 2012. Yes, yeah, Dark Knight Rises yeah. and I think the Avengers. Yeah, they thought they put it out that year. It wasn't going to make enough money. So they put it in 2013, actually. Count 2013 and it's still trash. And what's crazy is... <laughs> The idea of that movie sound like back then it didn't sound so bad to me because I didn't really know enough back then. But when I do, when I started doing more and more research on these characters, like, wait a minute, guys, they shit you not the sequel, basically just killed every single person, and they tried to gas yep. people and thinking that that was a good idea. Like, whoa, 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 hold on. They're all just died. There's like three of these guys left, and some random old old eighty year old man, and they're supposed to take on the entire Cobra Cobra fleet. Yeah, that 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 was just so stupid. And then Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. I watched that in theaters. To me, that that was the worst movie of 2021. So bad. Made no sense. Butchered the entire Snake Eyes storyline. That Snake Eyes storyline? That's yep. my favorite storyline. Was The Snake Eyes storyline with Storm Shadow and like the whole racism element. My favorite G.I. Joe storyline just took down to a huge shit on that story. I was like, fuck this franchise. <laughs> There's nothing good about this franchise, media wise. From, t- from yep. these movies. These movies suck. And then, randomly in Transformers Rise of the Beast, apparently they're just going to be crossing where the Transformers are like, I don't know what they want to do with this franchise anymore.
1: Yeah. You know, there was a Transformers uh, versus G.I. Joe comic back in the day. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> they, they could have done something. Well, the problem with G.I. Joe is it was really a product of its time. Uh, so there was a G.I. Joe toy back in uh, the 60s and the 70s, and it was OK. But the 80s is when it really took off. Um, and that has a lot to do with uh, politics in the US. So the Vietnam War ended, I think, uh, 73-ish. So, you know, about 10 years later, people still have ideas about Vietnam. People, a lot of uh, people felt that America was shamed. You had Ronald Reagan taking over uh, as president. And, you know, he he has this propaganda campaign that America's back. You know, we got to feel good about our military. We were kind of beaten up on like Grenada and uh, Libya and countries like that. So we're like, yeah. um, but in, in the context of the Cold War, you know, U.S. was the hero. So we wanted to have these figures that we felt uh, were heroic, you know, and even though Cobra was a terrorist organization uh, instead of like the Soviets, um, it, it really kind of continued a tradition of war comics, which. Vietnam pretty much killed. You know, uh, there was The Nam. I think Marvel was putting out still in the early 80s. Uh, and then there was G.I. Joe, and that was kind of it. Sergeant Rock was gone, you know, mm-hmm. Nick Fury, even the sort of war comics were, were gone. Um, and, you know, and it was good for the 80s, but by the 90s, when the Soviet Union fell, you know, G.I. Joe wasn't fresh anymore, there were sort of no more big wars left. So... Yeah. So it didn't matter, but they really missed the boat with the G.I. Joe movie because after 9-11, you know, you, you make that in 2002, 2003, oh, mm-hmm. going against a terrorist organization, that would have been amazing. Right.
0: And those movies, I feel like never captured like, – a lot of people think that some of the casting choices were good. Some of the casting choices actually were pretty good. The problem here mm-hmm. is nothing, nothing about the movies I feel like ever represented G.I. Joe. The worst, most yep. disrespectful thing you could do to all those people is just murder them all. Which is, because, you know, The <laughs> yeah. Rock, he's gotta be the star of the movie he's in. So he, what's crazy, they weren't even gonna have Channing Tatum in the second one. That was added in later. I mean, he was originally supposed to just randomly just die off screen. Like, these people yep. had no idea what they were doing in these movies. And the fact that they couldn't even get anything right about these, ter- is ridiculous. And then Snake is some, his, what was his name? Fuck, it was a guy, Henry Golding or some shit. Oh, uh-huh. God, that was terrible. God, Oh my lord! It's just, <laughs> i don't know what do you want to do with these movies anymore. It's, it's one of those franchises where I—if it can't translate live action any, anymore, which is, which it easily can—you made a bunch of war movies. I don't see why those couldn't translate properly well. Yeah. TV series is probably your next bit bet, or hey, go back to being animated. Not not a bad idea, you know. Yeah,
1: and well, I think you know, in some ways, the GI Joe movies were a canary in the coal mine. Like, mm-hmm. it's really a warning of what was going to happen to the rest of Hollywood, where, you know, Hollywood didn't always do the now, most...
0: It's crazy you didn't see that stuff now. Looking back now, all they we were yeah doing all these bastardizations of these storylines for G.I. Joe, and it was like, it's just G.I. Joe. No one cares about that. Yeah, eh, maybe we should have had that same energy for a lot of other franchises now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny to think, but G.I. Joe really meant a lot to a lot of people in the 80s. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the people who enrolled in you know, who were either kids in the 80s or uh, they were teenagers, you know, and they enrolled in the military. G.I. Joe was a big influence on them, uh, both the TV show and the comic. So, you know, there were a lot of people who cared. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, but it's the start of, you know, we're going to put our ideas above the ideas that made these properties great in the first place.
0: Yeah, because I think, one of the big, biggest problems is a lot of these executives that started hiring people to write these movies, shows and stuff, they fundamentally forgot the actual core elements of these properties. Mm-hmm. Like you look at the Flash movie that came out recently. That was a yeah. lot movie me I watched in theaters. <laughs> fundamentally missed every point about what made this character hit, what made these characters even likable in general, what made the Flash's story so compelling with not having a reverse Flash. And you're like, okay, you got the main part of the overall like the other story there but you missed everything it's like having a soup and it's just liquid and you just have like carrots in there it's like yeah, 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 it's yeah, a yeah. Soup, but it's probably a really shitty soup
1: <laughs> I mean uh. I think the the epitome of this is actually the Witcher series uh, The oh, Witcher yeah. had an mm-hmm. international rabid fan base you had Henry Cavill who was a super nerd he looked the part he sounded the part um, and I had some problems with season one what it was, it wasn't that bad. But mm-hmm. once you start getting into season two, they said, oh, well, we're going to make this about uh, Siri and Yennefer. Like, why? Who wants to watch that? Look, The Witcher, it's a show. Every episode, he's got to kill some monsters. He's got to do his witching thing, kill some monsters. And if you want an overarching storyline, that's fine. But you got to have the main parts. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like. I don't know if you if you watched it, but I watched season three watched a few months ago. I watched
0: episode one. I did. Mm. It just didn't grab me. Like, I mean, I it's, it's one. not one Some of the action was kind of cool. Like It reminded me of a uh, video game version like Game of Thrones, watching the first episode. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Other, yeah, other yeah. Time. yeah, and it I was like, I've never been the biggest person on like medieval ro- mm-hmm. fantasy. I don't like fantasy, but like medieval time stuff never really grabs me. I think the only medieval stuff I like is also the Lord of the Rings is like, Man, this old old movie they probably still show in, in schools now. It's the one where uh, Brutus overthrew Caesar, Roman Empire. Uh-huh. It's an uh-huh. old movie. Holy crap, it probably outdated as fuck now. But yeah, that kind <laughs> of stuff just never really grabbed me. The like game of Thrones never really grabbed me. It's just it's not, hmm. not my preferred genre for the most part, you know. Well, so, everyone's I, got their taste. But yeah, I want to ask you um Marvel comics
1: mm-hmm.
0: looking at how Marvel's become what they are now it would be pretty crazy looking back at how they started versus they are now. Uh, unlike, I mean, DC house has the big issues too. I feel like Marvel's just kind of lost what they even go for in some of these books anymore.
1: I mean, Marvel is basically dead. Uh, the problem is we can't get any real numbers uh, on actual mm-hmm. readers. Uh, there are some people uh, who love it. Uh, some guy on Twitter a couple months <laughs> ago argued with me that current X-Men is the best that it's ever been. Like, huh. I, I don't I don't know how you could say that, but... Um... But he's
0: over like stories like Days of Future Past, uh, House of M, yeah. uh, fucking yeah. the X-Men Mutant Genesis storyline. He's cra- this is the thing. This is what I tell people, because I, I would know these people are full of shit because I, I buy some of the modern stuff, actually. I have, I have a list of characters. I go through some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff I obviously don't buy because I'm not interested. But I have certain characters I, 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 I will buy stuff through. And I, I see people talking about this stuff, and I know they don't buy stuff. They can't even no. get the price of these books right. Like, how much you pay for that? Oh, I only paid like $3. That's a lie. I know that book's $5.99. Like, these people are just full of shit. It's these people who are basically, I won't say tourists. That, that's that's too generous. It's like, they're saying they like it because it's just the popular thing to do. Like, I know you don't know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. People are like, I, I, <laughs> ridiculous, man. <laughs> yeah, I, and that's the thing, you know. Like, I, I've asked, like, oh, well, what do you like about it? And they're like oh i think the art really slaps and I'm like what it looks like a <laughs> like, coloring book like, what are you talking about
0: it's like the word salad just oozes out like what did you like about the story oh i like the way cyclops look okay um yeah i'm gonna exit this conversation <laughs> the person just you can just feel the disingenuousness reek off yep. their words as you're reading them you know people are, and, this is what I always tell people. If, you like that stuff? Why don't you review it and see how much you like it? Because those people are always the people saying that everyone's like bigots and instaphobes for how much yeah, they yeah, talk yeah. down about the modern stuff. But there's no buddy on their side, I imagine, if maybe one or two, I imagine, given how life circumstances usually pan out like that, where they don't actually, I, I doubt they have money because they're bitching all day on Twitter. Second of all, I don't actually think they spend money on this stuff because I don't think they really think it's that good, but they say it's like good. Because if they don't, they're they're going to feel like, oh, my God, I don't want to be like that guy. I can't be like that bigot, you know? None of these guys ever review this stuff. They don't.
1: Well, well, there's that. And also, they don't know. A lot of people, like younger people, don't know just how good things were in the 80s and early 90s. Um, you know, they've never read a lot of the classic stories. So, you know, how how if this like i don't know maybe this year is better than 2 years ago uh, maybe you know and maybe that's all they have to compare it with
0: um, remember so that I'm... era With the mm-hmm. civil war era mark miller you had the secret mm-hmm. invasion era anything before like dc rebirth period but in the, and the before like civil war 2 for marvel that era which is crazy that that's like the that ipad reading the stories and stuff like that cuz so, so for me we never had a comic book shop in my area i never had comics realistically so we had like various ways of getting to the internet. So I would just kind of read through stories from like character profile. So i go on like the character mm-hmm. profile, I'd be like, what's the newest story? I'd go like, wait, I did it with Bat, I did DC, Marvel characters, a lot of them. And the era that I had to do that with when stories like Civil War came out, Secret Invasion, you know, you had like, uh, what's the story? Infinity Gauntlet, when that came yep. out and stuff like that. It's crazy because a lot of people consider that stuff bad back then. And now you look back and you go, Was that? maybe I judged you too harshly. You know, because looking at what you yeah. have now is yeah. pretty bad. Like Civil War, I love that story. We Civil War Two, that was terrible. They retired Thor for Jane Foster. And you're thinking like this is about to be a massive L. This this, this can't turn out good. And guys, boy, it didn't. It's terrible.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's you know, and, and bring it back to marketing a little bit. If we go back mm-hmm. to GI Joe, one of the reasons why the GI Joe comic was one of the top, it was within the top selling comics in the industry at a time when comic books were routinely selling between 300 and 500,000 copies a month. Uh, and one of the reasons it was is uh, they integrated commercials uh, for the toys, for the cartoon show, and for the books. So, you, you know, you had all this advertising going on. What the heck happened? 2008 Iron Man starts. You know, they should have made a comic of the, They should have had a comic of that movie ready to go when it when it was launching. They should have sold it at the theaters. So when people come out of the theaters, you could buy the comic. The other thing is, why would you know, they had to know that these classic Avengers characters were coming up in these movies. Right. Like it couldn't have been a secret. So why would you replace all those characters at that time? You know, there, there's something to me. As you're saying the, the synergy between
0: comic books and the movies mm-hmm. have never been there. But what you were bringing up that all people are going to understand is when you have movies coming out, which are going to be a very normy yeah. centric thing, you need to have maybe another storyline that connects those same characters with the ones that you, that you can read. So there's some not that not much interchangeability there. You know, it's like there's some consistency yeah. there that you can follow. If you were to follow the Marvel movies, the, the MC ones before they became like dog shit now. You're like, huh? These characters seem kind of cool. Go to their books. Why is there a woman? What? What? Wait. Why is in Iron Man two and three when they have like the Mandarin? Is he not the Mandarin? Like, what are we doing here?
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, I would be in books. I came back to the U.S. in uh, 2010, and I would be in comic book stores. You know, prime time for all these Marvel movies when they were coming out, and people would be like. Hey, son, you know, when Daddy was young, he used to read comics. Let's go get some comics. Let's find Captain America. The, oh, that's not Captain America. You know, and the kid would be like, Daddy, why is Thor a girl? And, you know, the the guy who run the comic book shop would be like, yeah. Yeah. you know, like, like <laughs> even if you have some sort of mainstream continuity that you're going to do, why wouldn't you put out special editions? like do 99 cent reprints of the original characters at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, just from a business sense, this, this is absolutely crazy. Like it, it makes me right. think that there's something malicious. Like they, they had to have done it on purpose.
0: I, I think it's a theory that I had when it comes to like, um, it's kind of a DC thing, but Marvel had it too. Cause Marvel's animations never actually been as good as DCs, but this all on this point, I think most of you guys can understand this. We're like, I think they fundamentally don't like when the animation and the comic stuff do well, because it hurts mm-hmm. their... People just have this thing where they think live action is just superior in every regard, no matter what. So even if an animated movie, which is, which many have come out, made a billion dollars, and have been actually legitimately really good movies, just because it's animated, they don't think it's actually legitimate. They'll never say it to you. Yep. They'll, never, they'll never be like, oh, I, I don't like this. Because it's animated, it's looked down upon. So there's no reason that given how good DC's animated stuff was from all those writers like Paul Dini and all those people that he had on Batman the made series, Batman animated series, Batman Beyond, the Just League series, right? No reason why, absolutely no reason on this planet, none of those writers should be involved with the creative process of any DC like universe coming up. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the problem here is, is that if you let your ego go and be like, man, the, those cartoons, they're not as good. Those just kids. This is those dumb kids in our cartoons. I'm going to hire real writers. We're going to write something better than that. You know, I I think it's what you said. It's just ego. They can't understand. They just can't believe that something of a different media can be better than their live action stuff. I'm being honest here. I don't think any DC movie that's come out from from Zack Snyder's era. Man, it's still the now beats anything bad animated series ever going to be. So animated series, just the animated series, nothing, honestly, but they'll never let their egos go because it'll just hurt them so much that an animated guy could do better than them. It's just ego. There's no reason why they shouldn't be there at the table, hockey. Yeah. Unless they don't want to, which is, they're right, obviously. you know.
1: Yeah, and I, I would take uh, virtually any movie in the animated DCEU over mm-hmm. um, anything that came out in the live action. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, hands down, they're so much better. They're, there's mm-hmm. so much more accurate to the original intent of the character. I got my problems with the Superman stuff, but... Um,
0: which one? The uh, most recent
1: animated movies? All, all, of them, pretty much. Uh, something, something switched after a while, uh, and they started focusing more on the fact that he's an alien. So first of oh, all, I just think.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> first of all, just how does everybody in the world know that he's an alien? Did he just tell people that? You know why? Why would why would Lex Luthor know? Why would the average person down the street know? Um, but the the thing is, okay, so I grew up about. 45 minutes from where Siegel and Schuster lived. So uh, you're talking about a very Midwestern guy. Clark Kent does not love being Superman. He's Superman because he feels a responsibility. He's like, hey, I have these power. I have the ability to stop these crimes, to save people from burning buildings. Therefore, I have to do it. Um, but instead of l- looking at him as an outsider and always feeling separated, no, he's one of the community. He's absolutely, he does this stuff because he loves his fellow people and he's respo- he feels he has a responsibility to protect his uh, city, to protect Metropolis. Uh, you know, and I think that's really downplayed uh, in favor of this weird, he's an alien, but it's okay, I'm better than you, but, you know, don't worry, I still like you anyways. No, he's one of the guys. You know, he's helping out the old lady in his neighborhood and stuff. Even so, when you were
0: mentioning about marketing, I'm pretty sure people have mm-hmm. seen it. They they've highlighted it's a good thing, but it's it's one of those things where I like that they're doing it now, but this is something that always should have been there. Like everyone mm-hmm. sees it now when you do a new trailer for DC, Marvel hasn't did it yet, still, but at least DC's somewhat doing it. At the end of the trailer, they'll give you comic book re- right comic book recommendations, you know? That yeah. should have always been a thing. It yeah. shouldn't just be now in 2023, that's a thing. You know, like, yes, on one, uh, I mean, people are saying two things can be true. Yes, I can like they're doing it now, but this should have always been a thing,
1: you know? Sure. Uh, I mean, if you uh, go watch a movie in a theater in Japan, Mm -hmm. um, they have a shop and they have a playbill where you can buy a playbill for the movie to find out, you know, who are the actors and this and that Mm -hmm. and some art. Uh, And some of them are gorgeous, like the Studio Ghibli stuff. Um, Yeah, that's what's great. Yeah. mm But they'll have different merch for the movies in the theater, you know, and I I really don't understand why a why don't the theater chains open like a small shop where they can be like, Hey, movie studios, put your merch in here and we'll sell it. Um, why don't the movies or the, um, yeah, the movie studios, why don't they put or, or buy space to put their merch in? You know, And for the comic book companies, this is easy peasy. All you have to do is reprint stuff you already paid for. I mean, maybe you gotta pay someone some royalties, but it's that in printing costs. You don't have to pay to produce something new. And that stuff would sell like hotcakes.
0: Or even recently with Blue Beetle, they, mm-hmm. they're coming out with a new Dawn of DC Blue Beetle title. It's like, why are you not marketing that alongside your Blue Beetle movie coming out? But let's be honest, you're probably going to be not the same character. Because it always tends to be movie characters different from the comic book one, which creates no consistency. And to the point where you're sitting there going like, wait a minute. Even the comic books, I would say, the stories and the books are just better. people. I I understand this growing up. It was more like, why are the books so much better than the movies? When you start Mm -hmm. looking at a lot of the books that were made for movies that ended up having live action adaptations, now the books are way better. It's just... Probably gonna be the case for most things, honestly. <laughs>
1: sure, <laughs> and and why not produce uh, a special book for it? You know, I remember in the eighties they had Star Wars that were, you know, just adaptations of the movie Indiana Jones. You know, all the big mm-hmm. uh, Jurassic Park. I'm pretty sure Jurassic did. Park. So why wouldn't you? Why why wouldn't you do that? People would buy that.
0: Mm-hmm. So another thing that you mentioned earlier when it comes to marketing is. Mm-hmm. I think what people don't understand about marketing is some of it just doesn't hit sometimes, you know, sure. so, and, and then get give, given where you are like on whatever space in your internet you're on. I mean, some people mm-hmm. keep saying, I mean, it could be a twofold thing. Cause I think marketing, given how much taken, I'm pretty sure. I don't know this for sure, but maybe you can help me with those. It's a budget that goes into this stuff a lot of times you have, you have a budget. We have to kind of stretch it mm-hmm. through your products. Right. So what would be a reason why someone wouldn't know somebody's coming out? Because I find it hard to believe that given how bigger movie studios with bigger marketing pushes for a lot of these bigger companies everyone's in, all their sponsorships, that someone couldn't have known Exime was coming out. I kind of find it to be on someone just bullshitting you. I think it's, hey, they saw it, but they weren't interested, but they won't say they're not interested because, or I guess reasons, I guess.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think one of the big things is not understanding who your audience is. So mm-hmm. – You know, a lot of these. Well, okay, there's a certain amount of movies that are coming out now that the studios know they're going to crash and burn, and they're not spending any money on marketing. That's Mm -hmm. that's a separate thing, but Mm -hmm. part of it is, you know, um, GI Joe. You know, for if they came out with a new GI Joe movie, who would be the target audience? It would be people, you know, me in their late Mm -hmm. forties or or maybe a little older. That's who you have to market to. Uh, But if they're marketing it to kids, because the, the, I think it's um, 16 to 22 is like the prime movie going age, you know, you're, you're probably not going to have a product that they're familiar with. And uh, they're probably not that interested war, war stuff isn't all that popular right now, unless it's World War II based. Mm -hmm. So um, and I think this is part of the problem. They're writing movies that... Uh, they're, they're buying properties and making movies that don't um, respect what the original audience was. And why would you buy a franchise if you don't want that audience? Uh, why would you buy the rights? It doesn't make sense. So they don't understand who the audience is, number one. Uh, and I don't think they know where to market. You know, because if I'm, if I'm doing something let's say that's more manga centric and whatnot. Um, You know, the the general Iron Age uh, community online probably isn't going to be as receptive as millennials or Gen Z. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you get something closer to Webtoons, uh, you know, that's great. And just like if I'm going to do something, uh, you know, Mark Silvestri is my favorite artist of all time. If I want to do something that looks like Mark Servestri circa 1988, you know, are young kids going to like it? There's a good chance that they won't. So, you know, knowing who your audience is um, and figuring out well where do they go. I was just saying, yeah,
0: it's uh, something that I learned from going through like a lot of the marketing stuff when I was getting older. Was there's a reason why dinosaurs are in the boys section at like Walmart's mm-hmm. and Targets? A lot of people yeah. don't know that they're like, wait a minute, but girls can like these too. That that that's the thing. They're not going to be the target audience for dinosaurs. There's a reason why like you have Barbies populating the girl aisle yep. and like Batman populating the boys aisle. You know, on average, a boy is going to probably like Batman more than a girl. Not saying a girl can't like it, but just about ten out of nine, about nine out of ten boys would probably pick Batman. know, sure. Well, and the other, just from how selections of like things like that make a big difference,
1: you know? uh, And the other thing is for the girls that do like Batman, they like Batman the way that it is. You know, all these companies, they want to change Batman to make uh, girls like it more. Well, there's always been girls who like Batman, Uh, but Mm -hmm. they like Batman the way that it was. Other women just are not interested at all. And, you know, most men will tell you if you go out on a date and you start talking about your love of Batman, that's like going to kill it right there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Another thing that you may mention, which is very key, is I don't know where these activists came from. I think they just crawled out of the crevices of Satan's butthole or something because they actually legitimately (laughs) think no women were a part of this in any fandom. And they they are like revolutionizing putting women in these industries. So I, I, I told people. Do you really think out of all these years these phantoms that have been around, all these not just companies, just the uh, the characters and the phantoms are like, you think there was no women here? That mm-hmm. if someone even bothered to argue that, that I think you're crazy. There's women here, they're just kind of cool with just what it is, you know. And no one yeah. and people would be like, What about all the guys that sexually harass women in those? Co-? No one thinks that's cool. And everyone would be like, put the person in jail if they actually did it. You know, women can lie, but guys would just believe them on anything. No, if women were getting harassed, I don't think that's cool at all. You know, that's that's terrible. But to argue and people would be online and be like, no, women are now coming to the space, that's such a lie, that's such a disrespect to women that were here before. It was popular, you know? What makes people mm-hmm. think this is the first line of women coming into this stuff? That's that's preposterous. But that, that, That's like saying that there weren't guys going to uh, girls' salons to get their pedicures or manicures or whatever. It's like, no, that's always been a thing. But having certain mm-hmm. things highlighted a certain way doesn't mean that they're, like, the first to do it, you know? Happens in right. the gaming industry all the time. I'm pretty sure you've seen it, probably games a lot yourself people think like they're bringing a bunch of women into the scene it's like no women have always gained they're just not yeah. as competitive they're just casual what's wrong with just being a casual are you, are you insulting a casual because the casuals in a lot of these that's the reason why i think a lot of movies fail the casuals are not interested because what right. saying, outside of like hardcore fans like me and you who like this stuff and go the extra mile for it a lot of people are just casual they're just going to be they're not interested or not but you do not want to piss off casual audiences That's your biggest moneymaker. In any fandom, there's always going to be a person who's just kind of just there than being an active, like, hardcore fan of the product. You know what I mean?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, I I think, too, even casuals can, uh, they can see the authenticity. So if you go back and look at uh, Iron Man 1, I I think it was uh, 07 or 08.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, you know, when they made that, the hope was that, you know, oldsters who grew up liking Iron Man would go and watch the movie. But everybody liked that movie because it was very sincere. It was really, in a lot of ways, a love letter uh, to Iron Man. Um, You know, they never had any thoughts that it would do anywhere near as well as it did. Uh, None of their, I mean, I guess the Blade movies were pretty popular, but, but superhero movies in general weren't that great. Iron Man was like a B or C list character at that point. So
0: Yeah, before you know, that, you had the fanta- the Fox X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. Those were, I think people play revision history too much. Some of those are pretty bad. Like, if you know the yeah. X-Men stuff, it's bad when you really look at them. But I think they were passable for the time period. And if you're looking at them just from a movie adaptation, they're like, okay. But the problem with that is like when they got further in, they just, they just got to so bad. You know, you yeah. had Tobey McGuire's Spider-Man movies, the first two, and it was true. always a it was a Marvel thing where the third movie was always dog shit. So the Blade One and Blade Two people say always were <laughs> re- 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 really good, but that third movie, Blade yeah, Three, is terrible. not good. Tony McGuire's trilogy, Spider-Man Three, is not good. X-Men last ten is terrible. Fantastic four, I'll be honest here, the Fantastic Four movies, the one that ends up with Silver Surfer. I never mm-hmm. liked those anyway. I thought those were always dog shit. But yep. you know, then you get to a third Fantastic Four movie, fan forced it. That's pretty bad, you know. They always have this yep. curse of just a third movie not working for them. Daredevil. We forget that. Daredevil came out. I think that's. Oh, Daredevil. that's right. Yeah. I forgot Electros came out. That was. Oh, that was a movie, I think. Hopefully. <laughs> it was filmed like a movie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. DC had Catwoman. It's like, oh, Lord. Oh. The Catwoman verse coming out. Oh, no. Then you had uh, Ben Begins that dropped. That was a gem there. Mm-hmm. I didn't like Superman Returns. I don't know what people saw in it that much. I thought it was just a complete bastardization of what the character really was. From yep. how they set it up and then after that you know, you know the dark Knight trilogy which which is what they kind of stuck with remember jonah hex yep. yeah People back, yeah, of, back yeah, in the, back yeah. the day when we we're a bit younger i don't know now it's more people are spoiled with getting these superhero movies back in the day when i was reading about this stuff and having these movies come out you would <laughs> given how things were structured back then uh we were waiting a long time for these things you know there was oh, yeah. gaps and years for sequels here you know
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it, you know, there there were always superhero movies. It's just they generally stunk. Uh, you know, the Spider-Man ones somehow ended up great. I mean, Sam Raimi is amazing as a director. Right, yeah. Uh, and Tobey Maguire did a... I think he's probably still my favorite Spider-Man. I think he did a pretty good, you know, nerdy, loserish Peter Parker. Uh, so it was pretty faithful. And, I mean, it did help that Spider-Man really was the, you know, the A... That's Marvel's Marvel character right there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's crazy how um, him and X-Men, like people, are, X-Men is still pretty popular. X-Men at one point where they were the people were just now put their vision history so much. Like, oh, it was the Avengers who are always but no, X-Men always have it. Like it just the X-Men itself. You have people like Wolverine, Cyclops, yep. um, you know, Magneto, Professor X, those are like legendary characters in and of itself. Just Wolverine, Magneto, and Professor X. Just legendary characters out out. So it's like, I don't know what the MCU could do to really make their X-Men movies hit. I feel like they, oh, yeah. if I get a black Magneto, I'm I'm just. <laughs> Remember that, that was an actual rumor going around? The one black oh, guy? yeah.
1: Breaking um, Bad.
0: I forgot his name. Esposito oh. or something? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Esposito, like, yeah.
0: Yeah, God, no. People are like, oh, but Race does. No, Magneto, no. How about casting the way he looks like, and we'll take that? How about that? If you yeah. can't even cast the Race as a character, right? You're already starting off on the hugest, hugest wrong foot right there. You know?
1: Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty hard now. I mean, pretty much everything in Phase Four did a lot of damage to Marvel, uh, other than the Spider-Man movies. The um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the second Doctor Strange was okay. It's pretty uneven, I thought. Uh, but yeah, it, was, it was
0: okay. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah. Um,
1: but but everything else, um, I guess the last Guardians of the Galaxy was all right but uh yeah man yeah, all man, those loss,
0: oh god that was terrible thor, thor love and thunder yeah that that is, take take it back to the drawing we're back in the back to the drawing board nope take it back to the, yep. to the actual dumpster <laughs> take that, burn that shit. good lord what does he have you got a uh, shang chi
1: yeah that was terrible uh black,
0: yeah black widow oh god oh, oh that
1: you, you know the first like 20 minutes of black widow i thought were incredible and then it just mm-hmm. like nosedive right off a cliff. Why didn't they make it like a, a political spy thriller? That like would require them actually
0: having a brain.
1: <laughs> you know, that's when, when the Marvel movies were starting out, they were all kind of different genres, you know? Mm-hmm. Like uh, Iron Man was superhero Poppy. You had Thor, which was more about like family relationships and it was a lot heavier on the, the Nordic themes. Um, you had Captain America. Uh, the first Avenger was very much like a, an ode to World War II movies. So they were all very different. And then they came together for Avengers. But I think after Guardians of the Galaxy, everything sort of got steamrolled. And, like, they're all the same movie, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think about the DCEU, then?
1: Oh, my God. Those were terrible. So I mean, Steel. I...
0: What do you think about Man of Steel?
1: been so long since i've seen it first of all superman shouldn't be killing people um i didn't like that he you know like i said before his thing is he feels responsible for everyone around him you know because he's part of the community and he's the one guy who can do these things where you know in the movie it's like a lot of times he didn't want to be that guy you know i'm the alien nobody likes me blah 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 like superman shouldn't be emo (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) yeah
1: What about uh, Batman Superman? you, ever, you uh,
0: remember that
1: one? Yeah, it... Um, I never liked the Ben Affleck Batman. It was it was like the Ben Affleck uh, Daredevil. You know, yeah. give me Charlie Cox any day.
0: It's one of those things where I wanted to give him a second chance at the Daredevil, and I was sitting there going, like, his Batman is just kind of underwhelming. Like, I get the physical aspect. He does look like Batman physically, but... It, I've seen Batman. This is the thing people are not say. Batman's not just all about physical prowess. There's Batman that yeah. are more slender, but they're still like muscular and they're still strong. So right. your yeah, physical prowess isn't really gonna matter. It's about how much you portray him as a character. I feel like his his Bruce Wayne was lacking did the actual like. So him being older would be the benefit of like all his years of being Batman, mm-hmm. right? That that's the idea of BBS supposed to be like he's an older Batman, he's more established, which is still bad because if you're trying to build a growing universe, you want to grow with this Batman, not have a Batman that's already 50, so you wouldn't really have this actor for many movies anyway. But you know, DC's never been really big on consistency when it comes to these things. Yeah. And when and when you look at the character, it's like, Wait a minute, he's why he's supposed to be older and wiser than Clark, but he's acting like he doesn't He's nothing not, imagine being a 50 year old Batman, and you're not calculated and you're not like planning things out. And I feel like that's what's like. And the reason why the Dark Knight, yeah. drives, the Dark Returns hits the way it does, because you have the older Bruce doing all these things, right? And that movie mm-hmm. is supposed to be Dark Knight Returns and all that much stuff that Zach Snyder said was gonna be. Never really felt like he was Dark Knight Returns Batman ever, actually. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, Batman is the world's greatest detective, he's not the yeah. world's greatest fighter. He's the world's greatest detective and he doesn't, I mean, I guess you have him like building devices Mm -hmm. and okay, he figured out Superman's weakness because somehow he knew he was an alien. Well, I guess everybody on earth knows he's an alien, but um, it just, you know, it just didn't, again, they don't really understand the character. So two out of three of the main DC characters, they didn't understand. I thought the first Wonder Woman was actually a pretty decent movie. Yeah. Um
0: looking back now, that was the yeah.
1: one gem
0: out of those first like five. Yeah. B- yeah, Man of Steel, BBS, Wonder Woman. No, sorry. Oh god, Suicide Squad. I good Lord.
1: I yeah, I, I couldn't. I think I watched about like 15 minutes of it on an airplane once, and then I was like, mm, I'd rather sleep. Uh <laughs> Wonder I, Woman I watched Justice I, Yeah. I, I watched oh. two. Uh Suicide Squad two, but uh James Gunn. I thought he got the Guardians of the Galaxy pretty well; mm-hmm. uh, those turned out good. But I, I did not like, um, I did not like Suicide Squad two. You don't like e- e- either version of it, right? No. Um, mm-hmm. The problem for me is that uh, it, it's like the WandaVision problem. It's like whoever's writing these movies today, they don't understand what a hero is and what a villain is. Like you can't be doing all sorts of evil things and be a hero. You know, Harley Harley Quinn should never be a hero. Um, she does a lot of, you know, morally repugnant things. You can't cast her as a good person or even as an anti-hero. You know, the Punisher kills uh, pedophiles. You know, the Punisher kills murderers, uh, drug dealers, but he doesn't just go crazy in a restaurant and shoot up like a family or something. Uh, yeah. Harley Quinn is just random violence for no particular reason. Mm-hmm. You know, so that—that's that, it.
0: I wanted to ask you because uh, you're—you said the tabletop RPG stuff, so you're mm-hmm. big on D and imagine, right? Sure. Yeah, Nathan, we have Nathan on. He's big on D and D too. A lot of D and D people around here, are crazy. What did <laughs> you think about the D and D movie that came out, Dungeons and Thieves? You thought it was one of those bastardizations of the stuff you've been uh, growing up with?
1: It was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was better than I thought it would be. I thought it would be a total abomination. Um, but it, I thought in a lot of ways it was respectful of a lot of the uh, traditional stuff. Like people wanted to see this or that. You know, a lot of people say the real Dungeons & Dragons movie should have been the kids from the cartoon in the eighties <laughs> or, or that uh, they, they in Brazil, they made a car commercial for a uh, Pugo or something using those characters. Uh, and they're like, ah, that was the best DD and D movie. Um, but they had them in the movie and they were respectful to them. Hmm. A lot of the places uh, in the, the forgotten realms, they had a lot of the kind of characters they had uh, and, and they were okay. But um, it was not that well written. Um, I I think it was too much like when you have a D&D campaign uh, and you're playing with your friends and you're having a really great time. And then you try to tell other people about this hilarious thing that uh, the guy who's playing the bar did. um, It just does not... It, it, some things like are you have to be there. And in a lot of ways, it felt like someone was trying to tell you about their, their group playing a game instead of, you know, having a, a I I don't know. It, it, it just didn't translate that well to a movie, in my opinion.
0: Okay. So you also mentioned earlier that you're going to be writing a comic book, actually. So you, you're going to be putting out probably a Kickstarter, Indiegogo at, at some point out, Right. So what was this inspiration by? What, what, what inspired you to do it initially?
1: Well, uh, by the D&D campaign I'm <laughs> writing, <laughs> which is coming out first. Um, okay. So I, um, well, okay. So the original inspiration was um, I was playing in somebody else's game, uh, just as fun. And one time a few people were gone, so I ran the game. Uh, and I did what's called a one shot. So a one shot is just we're just going to play this. It's one story, one day, three hours, four hours, whatever, uh, and it's done, and that's it. And I did it, and um, people kept asking me things about it, like, "Oh, hey, why was this or that? Why was that?" And so I slowly start to write like backstory for that. You know, to oh, maybe someday we'll do another one or something. Um, and i and i liked it and then um, i i thought oh you know this would be a great world to put a comic book in probably not your thing because it's you know fantasy-esque um but uh i i started to do that and um i you know wrote a lot of lore and uh, filled a lot of things out and i came up with the main characters for the book um and i thought well you know i'm writing so much lore I should just make a campaign guide. It can't be that hard. Uh, so I started that in 2019. <laughs> and hopefully I'm going to finish writing it by the end of the year. Hopefully. I, okay. I don't know that it's going to happen. But uh, hopefully I will launch that campaign. It's called Empire of the Undying Sun. Um, it's uh, One thing I don't like about the modern D&D 5e is um, it really lost a lot of like the the horror element and it's harder for characters to die. So in some ways it doesn't, it's hard to make the player feel more tense and there's not really many good horror campaigns for it. So I went back to the drawing board. Um, You know, it's uh, I like um, George R. R. Martin and game of Thrones, you know, right at the beginning you see some supernatural stuff, And then you don't see any more supernatural stuff for a while, it's like political and there's a lot of tension between characters and then bam, you know, the supernatural comes back. And that's kind of what I try to do here where you have characters that are in this world and it seems fairly mundane. It's like, you know, this group of people versus that group of people. But there's always an underlying, like, you know something's not right about this. Um, And then you get little hints of like supernatural evil or like something else is controlling or or pulling the strings, you know, and then bam, evil everywhere.
0: So I wanted to ask you, because you do the thing with talking with the indie creators too, is Mm -hmm. what do you think is something that this scene is lacking that someone hasn't put out for it yet?
1: Oh, romance comics. I can see that. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, one thing people don't understand is before the 1980s, there was a genre for everyone. It's very much like manga is now. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom told me, you know, when she was a kid in the 50s, uh, she would read romance comics. And you could see them, you know, up until the 70s. Um, And then there was sort of a transition that happened Mm -hmm. uh, where all these other companies sort of went by the wayside. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with um, sort of Stan Lee and like bucking the Comics Code Authority uh, where they would write stories that talked about drugs, like not nothing like you'd see today. It'd be drugs are bad, but they actually mentioned them. You know, they would mention problems. So all the top talent wanted to work for Marvel or DC. And that's sort of how we ended up with the dominance of the Capes and Cowles genre um, by the end of the 80s. Uh, and that, that was a real problem because a lot of people lost the audience. So, you know, talking about, uh, women in comics, like women love, uh, Sailor Moon. They love all these mangas that talk about women, but they're, they're, they're not superheroes like the superhero comics targeted at men. they are a lot more romance and like relationship based, um, You know, I haven't seen anybody doing that, uh, and I I think that would be pretty interesting. I don't know how you'd sell it. (laughs) You know, most of the people in the Iron Age community wouldn't be up for it because most of us are men. Uh, But I I would like to see more genres like that. Um, We've seen a lot of horror. We've seen some superhero, less than I would have thought. You know, some war comics would be interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been a couple of... uh, uh, Bass Reeves was pretty good Western. Um, so, but maybe something more along those lines. you Should
0: approach the manga style, actually. If it's going to be, because you know, you know how marketing is, they push yeah. you towards like getting people on the newest thing because it's selling very well. That way, you could capitalize on all of that at the moment. And then, we want so to be different kind of some marketing words. You capitalize on fans, actually. Do you think people should be kind of doing that, or still sticking with the style that they're doing?
1: Um. I think it depends, you know, so there's some people out there, they just want to make a book. They want to have their dream and make a book. Um, If that's what you want, make it the way that you want, you know? Um, But if you're like, Hey, I want to make my living doing comics. I think you gotta, you gotta look more into manga. So I see you got Walmart there, you know, who One of the, the people that are doing really well are some of the iconic guys, uh, Tim Lim and um, Mark Pellegrini. I mean, they've been able to take, uh, you know, Black Ops and the Comet America stuff. And I, I don't know how big they are in Japan, but that's translating over. Uh, this is stuff that could easily become animated uh, and you could easily make toys of it it's a girl group, but I think it still appeals to men, but you would have more of a, I, I bet if we could figure out what the demographics were, you'd have a larger percentage of uh, women reading it. Um, I've given the, um, I got the, the first omnibus uh, and I gave it to my friend who has uh, two young girls uh, and they love it, you know? So I think, um, I think they sort of cracked the manga code. Now, how much longer is that going to go? I don't know because um, I was talking to uh, Tyler uh, from Draw and Talk. I and he to him.
0: Great guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, and and if you ask him, he'll say, "Well, you know, manga's dying too, uh, and webtoons are what's becoming big." Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe webtoons is what people should be emulating. I'm not sure. That's that's a good question. It's like a hard it. one because it's something like the fund my comic site that Luke did. Mm-hmm. That
0: should have been something that should have been done a while ago. Because if people are complaining and talking about Indiegogo and Kickstarter not like shadow banning people, then there should be a site dedicated to just funding this kind of thing if you had an audience for it, you know? That way you take yeah. out the other mainstream people that you don't like to go through. Unless, you know, because the problem the I don't know how to really say it. like Because Indigo and Kickstarter, they're they're more than just books, right? There's just bigger Mm -hmm, traffic in general there, you know, just as a medium overall.
1: Yeah, but the – okay, so I really like Luke. Uh, You know, I've (laughs) talked to him before. He's a nice guy. Um, The problem I have with Fun My Comic is why do I need Fun My Comic? I can make a website where I'm selling things on my website. You know, I can take pre-sales for books on my own website. If you use Kickstarter, Indiegogo, or Fund My Comic, you're giving them a piece of the action. So in marketing terms, what am I getting back for it? I have to get a service or I have to get some kind of marketing. Now, Indiegogo is, is the same problem. I, I understand why politically with uh, John Malin and Ethan Skyver, why they want to stick with Indiegogo. Um, but for my money, if you're going to use a crowdfunding site, I mean, Kickstarter is the only one that will have random people come across your book. Uh, And that's what I need those sites for. That's what would be worth paying. Yeah. So like for um, the the D&D campaign guide that I'm working on, for sure it's going to be on Kickstarter. Um, You know, I I don't really need. uh, I've got the funding to make it myself, um, but there are people on Kickstarter who will just go like, oh, D&D, okay, back it, back it, back it. You know, and so that's that's the thing. How many people are doing that on um, on Indiegogo? Not many. And right now on funding My Comic, it's all the same Iron Age people who would probably back your book wherever you put it. Uh, maybe yeah. not on Kickstarter, but,
0: yeah, you know, you in mentioned- the future, maybe. Because it's something that... The mainstream media has done to a lot of people because mm-hmm. you worked in these kind of things it's having the instant access of just clicking a button and getting things done yeah and being the person to be the guy to make that a possibility gives you a lot of the edge there because oh, let's be honest mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't going to be doing that a lot of people aren't going to be creating their sure. own website and putting their own money to it so if you're someone like looking you're thinking like if no one's going to do it then i might as well you know, I, yeah. I, I see where he's coming from, too, because a lot of people are, sorry, a lot of people are lazy. They're not going to be putting out a website and money funding to their website. You will probably do yeah. it because you're realizing that the reach of a website is going to be infinitely sure. bigger than it being from someone else. But let's be honest with The average person just most likely will be doing that. A lot of these guys, like you mentioned before, earlier in the show, they just want to be guys who just want to write a book. They want to do the book. That's it. Yeah. Get it done. They're not the creative person that you mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Luke is totally smart. If you look at uh, the California Grove Rush in the 1840s, who yeah. ended up with money? It was the people who sold the equipment to the miners, the Stanfords, right. yeah. you know, the the Huntingtons. Yeah. They made the money. Luke is uh, a genius because he's going to be getting a cut of all of these, um, all these mm-hmm. things. And maybe in time, uh, you know, especially if he can expand it out of just the uh, indie comics and, and start getting other genres you know publishing um like funding novels funding gaming this and that and, and i i think that's probably where he's going to go uh you know i i think in the future point of my comic very well may make a lot of sense but you're absolutely right about uh the laziness um and this is something you know if you want to be an indie creator and you want to be in the game to make your living doing it um you you can't just be making books either you or you have to hire someone um, I think everybody needs their own website because you never know when any of these crowdfunding sites or YouTube or Twitter is going to kick you off. Um, so you need That's that true. central location that you control yeah, to get your security. message out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I- so there, there, there's that, and then um, y- you know, all the time there's going to be a switch. Like um, for a while, everybody wanted to get on Substack. I haven't heard anybody doing anything with Substack anymore. So you need a central repository where you have all of your content mirrored, backed up. So people can see what you've been doing. They can have faith in you and your process and see like, oh yeah, he is gonna get some books out. Um, So you know that you, you gotta go on streams or have somebody promoting you on streams or be visible in other places for people to see you in your book or else, you know, you're never going to have any sense.
0: Yeah, because I've also been seeing that a lot too. People have been going, I don't know what angle they think this is trying to work for them. Have you seen this angle where people are like, the bigger creators don't help us out, but just in life in general, Mm. no one is obligated to owe you anything, even a big creator, you know, just like anything. Because like, what if what if you had a platform like some of these other bigger guys do and someone only wanted to interact with you because you had a big audience, and because they like you or what you do, they only want to use you for your audience. And I could see where sure. some of the bigger people are coming from. With that 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 just literally is cloud chasing by the absolute smallest definition there. You know, if you're going to promote someone, you would hope that that person somewhat likes you to a certain extent. They did cuz that's just sure. no one wants to get used like that. And I understand that from that point of view cuz that that just feels kind of shitty. Cuz after that if you promote that person and you give them some a lot of a lot of backers and stuff like that, what's stopping that person since they don't like you? They only just use you for your audience to just start talking shit about you under any condition after that, you know? But I can see it from both points yeah. of views. If you don't have bigger people promoting smaller people then you're never going to have ideal competition but from a bigger person is why do you want to have competition that's the thing for sure you're the bigger player here that's a it's a weird market we're in just saying guys you know there's a lot of different angles honestly
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i'm more of a i'm more of a um you know rise of tide floats all boats kind of guy like right now the comic scene is just so small anything again, is good for me uh because then there's a a chance that more people will at least see my stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, th- there are people who um, who have grievances against bigger creators. You know, mm-hmm. um, Ethan Van Skyver's never been on my show, but why would he be? Uh, you know, <laughs> and like I, I don't. I I have had some larger guests on my show. Uh, and I'm very appreciative that they came and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I always try to treat them with respect, but, um, you know, most people have not had me on their show, but that's okay because I don't expect that kind of reciprocity. I think you need to figure out sort of what you want. If, mm-hmm. you know, you could propose to them like, Hey, you come on my show, I'll, I'll go on your show. You know, if, if that's how you want to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know why, um, I understand it's frustrating. You know, when your book kind of gets overlooked, Uh, there could be other things going on. There
0: could be you're just not getting your message out. It's another thing that I've always seen from a YouTube point of view because I've been doing this for a long time and I've always told, Mm because I get the same question constantly asked all the time, which is like, how do you navigate this space? Well, the best way to navigate this space, I've been doing this for like since 2015 for doing YouTube, but another channel that I lost because of hate speech. Crazy, right? But I have a a backup (laughs) that I rebranded my main one. So we ended up, Lucking out there where not every video you do not every stream or podcast stream you'll do not everything you'll do is going to be a banger i think that's the biggest problem because people when they need to look at something you should start looking at a diagnosis a doctor does a doctor starts a diagnosis Mm -hmm. off going from like the 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 core of it to the absolute basis of what this problem is the problem is people think that everything they're going to do is going to be like some big instant hit what do you think yeah. is the like? It's it's fine to have expectations and high standards for yourself, but you need to understand this is a very big competing space with a lot of other people, and the same things you think someone thinks it too. And for everyone that comes on, not the show, but like for people that think that mm-hmm. everything they're gonna do is gonna be a banger, now everything can be a banger. Like obviously, we talk about movies a while ago. you talk about them crashing and burning. Now every movie crashes and burns some movies make a lot of money a lot of movies come out they do crash and burn you know not everything you put out is going to be a banger you know but i think that's a that would have to be one of my top five reasons why a lot of people don't ever push past a certain mindset because they're still stuck in this like oh because i did this then that means a lot of people have to be drawn to it which you know sometimes you could do everything right but if the interest isn't there or they just don't find it appealing and there might be someone else doing it better that's just kind of how it's going to be. This is not a. This is more of a numbers game, like you mentioned before. Marketing is all numbers game. To be fair, you know. Yep. Game g- yep. getting your right audience and demographic. Get, and I've seen some some people, like you mentioned before, have an audience, and they feel like they should be getting more money. But it's like people do know that some people don't even get their books funded. Some can barely scrape to a thousand dollars. Like you're good where you're at, and that's fine. You know, it's a. So weird thing when you're talking about people and our expectations based off their jobs, their life. And I think that's a big problem is not every stream I do is gonna have a lot of viewers, you know, but we're still doing sure. it. We're still providing a great show for people that are gonna watch in the replay, for people that are gonna watch this many years from now when they're going through, you know, autoplay does things down these systems, you know. You know, I think it's just a problem that people look at everything and they're like, has to be an instant hit. You know, I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's kind of one of my biggest reasons why a lot of it never manifest past a certain point, you know? And you you said before, I yeah. think I mentioned before, too, different genres. Different genres like you, well, one you mentioned earlier is a key thing. It's like, why don't we tap into different genres, though? That's why mm-hmm. people like manga as much as they say they do, right? As much as they say they do. Why don't we tap
1: into that stuff? Why isn't there other people doing it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, even, even the people who like manga, you know, how many of them just like the popular ones? How many of them just like One Piece or Dragon Ball Z mm-hmm. or, you know... Something like that. The general opposed...
0: superhero stuff, anyway. Yeah, is... <laughs> yeah. So,
1: you know, there, there's only going to be so many super hits. Um, I think what, you know, really connecting with your audience or, or the people who should like your stuff um, mm-hmm. is one of the big ones. Like, if you're writing a horror book, it's great to go on all these shows that talk about, uh, you know, Iron Age comics, uh, indie comics, and whatnot, but you need to be going out more. You need to go on, you know, on Reddit, on Facebook and find these forums where people talk about horror stuff. Mm -hmm. Most of them have probably aged out of comics or they're younger and they never grew up reading comics. So if you show them like, hey, I've got this cool book. Uh, Look how cool it looks. It's a total horror story, blah, blah, blah. You know, that then puts in their idea like, oh, well, you know, I like horror. I have five dollars. I have twenty five dollars you know, and whatever, they might buy it. Um, but more than that, you sort of have to become a member of that community <clears throat> and participate in it uh, so that when they see you're one of them, uh, then they'll say like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I've, I've seen this guy's posts. Um, I, I know what he's doing. Uh, okay, I trust him. Uh, like, you know, for my campaign guide, uh, I've been drawing a lot of maps uh a lot of different battle maps and whatnot. So I'll post them on different places on the internet, like, oh, I'm working on this map, you know. And um I haven't posted any recently, but in the past I would do just like drawing streams, you know, like, oh here's a link to me drawing You know, so then later on when I'm talking about like, oh yeah, I'm I'm making this book, people are like, oh, oh, okay, I remember that map. That's interesting. You know, and that's it's a step that uh I think a lot of people in the indie community aren't um Thing we covered really earlier, the,
0: whole, the whole dinosaur being in the t- boys' toy section mm-hmm. and Barbie's being in the girls is what you said is, is so is super key. If going on certain streams is fine, but if that audience doesn't have a core horror fan base, mm-hmm. you are not going to be really getting any backers. Like, co- exactly. like I, mean, I know I have horror people who love horror here, would, would, would definitely most likely support. But the thing mm-hmm. here is, as like you mentioned before, reach. So if you're reaching out to like, like a lot of smaller people, I would hope some of those smaller people, the audience that they do have that is small, has horror people willingly wanting to maybe check out your thing that is maybe horror related. Now I think people are Mm -hmm. marketing themselves, but they're marketing in the wrong directions. If that makes sense, yes, yes, Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, and and you know a lot of them are making the right moves, but not in the right places. Right, Uh, yeah, and that's Mm -hmm. part of the problem. And then to you know even the shows. like I've tried to tell some people who are who are starting out like, okay, you're on my show. Um, did you like some of the interactions? Did you like your answers to my questions? You know, clip it, clip that bit, post that on your Twitter, on your Instagram or whatever. Uh, you know, I'm happy with that. It's, mm-hmm. it's good for you to get more visibility. It's not just you coming across as, hey, you guy, let me tell you how awesome my thing is and why you should give me money. It's a conversation mm-hmm. between two other people where they hear you passionately talking about your project. Like, that's exactly what you want, you know? And potentially, um, you if you're a good guest on the show and you speak well and you seem entertaining, then some of these people who do have larger audiences, you know, they might see 30 seconds of it and be like, oh, okay, this guy might be interesting. Um but I I don't see a whole lot of people doing that either.
0: Yeah, and actually something I mentioned earlier too, some of them have YouTube channels, but Mm -hmm. you don't really see a lot of content out of them. And the stuff that they do put out, it's just like, oh yeah, I'm drawing this new sketch of this character and from my book, which is not 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 that that's marketing in, in a direction. But the thing here is if People are, as you know, through marketing, a lot of people are very, like, visionaries. Most people are mostly mm-hmm. visionary people. They don't really see you or see, like, or hear you talking about anything or putting out anything that really just grabs them. Support's going to just be in Twitter retweets and likes, which we know is doesn't translate to sales. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Conversion rates on imagine tweets, like, likes and retweets and quote tweets on t- an X, not Twitter anymore, X. I'd imagine doesn't always translate to sales, you know, as most people probably figured out. No. Oh, my God, I, I had a thousand views on my tweet. I had 50 likes. I'm probably going to get 50 backers today. No, you won't. Sorry to break it to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, you know, there's really two ways you can go with it. A, you can get people interested in your, your book or your property, and they're going to buy it because they like that. Or B, um, you sort of become the brand and people like you. They trust you uh and and so they'll take a chance on your book um and you know i've had that go horribly wrong um there was a, mm-hmm. a book i i bought from a guy he used to like do a lot of critical reviews of uh george R. R. martin's books and uh the Dune books and stuff and so you know you thought oh well he's writing a book you know he seems very knowledgeable on his streams he must be able to write well it turned out not to be the case but uh, you know, I I took a chance because I thought the guy seemed interesting. Uh, so it's that or like, oh, this subject looks super cool. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, both are valid ways to try. Yeah,
0: I think. Look, look, looking back at a lot of this stuff, I'm pretty sure. You, I mean, people had this video was going around of a double brewski drinker crazy. He uh, mm-hmm. put in a rant for like why indie creators fail, and I was thinking to myself, there's some i mean they're starting drama with random people you don't need to yeah. yes. um there's i would say uh i don't want to this is gonna sound kind of mean but there's some people that i i know artists in my life some people are just social introverts and i think if you want to mm-hmm. be in this like, like many famous writers you'll probably think of they're themselves are social introverts but they found some sort of a balance that when they do and can be in the spotlight it doesn't come off as Weird and cringe. George R. R. Martin does that. He doesn't really do a whole lot of interviews, but when he does, you, it's well spoken. It, it comes off all mm-hmm. clean. It doesn't come off like he's looking like his eyes are going everywhere. His camera's on. You can see him physically. I think all these guys have to develop, and so I do this too. You have to you have to develop more of a social engaging presence because yes, I think that's just that 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 gives confidence. You know, if you don't even have confidence in yourself, well, why should I have confidence in your book, though?
1: You know? Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. You started off uh, near the beginning talking about how uh, it takes a lot more work to make videos than people thought. Uh, And this is the work for the live streams. To me, this is how the live stream is different from pre-recorded videos is, uh, you know, another reason you asked me, why did I start? Another reason was, well, when I go into actually promoting my books, which I haven't yet, um, I need to be good. Uh, and how do you get good? Well, you start by sucking, and you slowly get better. So I would like to think that my the stuff, I, the interviews I'm doing now are a lot better than they were four years ago. Uh, and part of that is me being more comfortable being on camera, uh, me trying to you know think of things ahead of time, having more thoughtful questions, more thoughtful responses, and not go, um and this and um and the. Uh, uh. You know and and trying to be more aware of myself when i'm on camera so that's part of what people need to do uh you know some people are are just not cut out for interviews and yeah it really sucks for them because this is kind of a key part of Mm -hmm. I, i think promoting books these days but you know to the extent that you can start making some videos just so you're used to being comfortable on camera try to get on smaller shows and you might suck as a guest at first, but you know, keep doing that. And eventually you'll get more comfortable. You'll sort of get into the rhythm. You'll understand what stories hit and what don't. And there you go. And that's how you build yourself up.
0: Yeah. You don't have to turn your camera. I've seen some people who don't, who have never seen their face on any creative mm-hmm. space. I've been in do videos and they're probably fine doing it. as long as you understand how to talk and converse your points. You're fine. I think, also, another one no one brings up is being disagreed with and not actually having a way of combating, but that, that's not hostile. Because yeah. I, I, I've had people on many, many shows ago, many pockets I've had to go, where like when a person they have their one point they're thinking of and that, that's, all, that's all they've been thinking about on one stance, you give any counter argument, they're like, um,
1: yeah,
0: I didn't really think this fully through. You know, being as you become a, more of a writer and more of a person that mm-hmm. gets older, I think. Fully fleshing out your thoughts, whether it be reading books, maybe you're thinking them in your head, talking to people in real life, I think that makes it better too. Because if you think something, well, good chance you probably should start logically thinking about why you think that. So if you do ever receive any counterpoints, you could receive them and go like, okay, I can now let's say rebuttal, like have a conversation with that person. That makes people don't really have a lot of conversations because they kind of just live in their own bubble so much. They think that everything that they think is right, which
1: is mm-hmm. going to be an issue too. I've probably seen <laughs> uh, for sure. And you know, even, even some questions like I've asked uh, people like, uh, well, I i have um, well, had a few people. Okay. So I had someone on who uh, made a comic in a manga style. Right. And I said, Oh, well, you know, most people in this community really like the eighties and the nineties, uh, Marvel or image styles. Uh, why did you pick manga? And the answer is, I like manga. You know, can you elaborate on that? Can you, you know, these <laughs> questions should have been thought through a little more, uh, beforehand. So you could tell a nice story. Oh, I love manga. Uh, I, I, My dad went to Japan once on a business trip and he came back and brought me a manga and my mind was blown. I always wanted to create more of that. Mm -hmm. You know, which which is a better story? Uh, And so you need to sort of think about things more because you want to show your enthusiasm and you're absolutely right about not getting in spats with people and having intelligent answers. And the intelligent answer could be you know, if someone's like, oh, you suck and this and that and say, oh, well, you know, why don't you try this book from this person? That might be more your speed. Or, uh, oh, you didn't like this one? Well, you know, I've got this other idea I'm, I'm going to be doing next, That's this, 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 and this. You know, there's all sorts of way you can do it without, um, without that and hopefully without starting beef with other creators. Uh, that's yeah. the one thing that <laughs> blows my mind uh, about the industry. I know that there's some people that's their way of promoting themselves is create some drama, but overall, it's it's bad what for the I, indies.
0: What I've noticed about drama stuff is the reason why I don't really do it or did it in the past. But I've only ever did it when it was something that came up so much that I had to just talk about it. But I've never mm-hmm. really, I thought of watching drama stuff. I never really did it myself because I never not want to really brand myself that way. Because the thing with drama people that I found about that kind of audience is they're not real genuine supporters. Right. If you don't talk about drama they're not there. Exactly. You know, I never wanted they, to brand myself as something like that because I know that kind of audience is not really an audience you want to have attached to yourself, you know?
1: Uh exactly. And well, and plus anger and hate, you know, like there can be certain times when you when you need to get that out there, um but mm-hmm. if that's all you have, you know, people will burn out on that. So that, that audience, like either you have to keep ginning stuff up to, uh, keep people angry or eventually people would be like, oh no, I've had enough. Mm -hmm. So if you're a bit more on the positive side, you know, you're writing good books that people like, um, people are going to want to stay with that. People like entertainment, uh, people have certain values they stick with. And if you expose those, you know, they'll stick with you. Yeah. And looking at all this stuff
0: now going on, you know, I do hope you all the best for your, uh you know, compa coming up. I'm going to see your channel. Let me once. sec. Oh, yeah, you're doing you're starting to put out more stuff actually now.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I was on a sort of a year hiatus. Uh, got cancer, moved across the country. <laughs> Took a while oh, to get God. a house. Hope you so better. Better. Holy crap. Oh, yeah, 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 it was it was fine. It was fine. Uh, so yeah, I just started again in, uh, July haven't posted very many videos. Those are coming. Um, mm-hmm. that's well, if anybody wants one of the secrets, uh, one reason why my sub count is so low is that, uh, I was not very consistent cause I, I took that year off. Um, but I've also taken like six month periods off at other times, uh, in order to work on my own stuff. Um, but one of the things is consistency. So if somebody wants to get in the game. Um, make like 30 days worth of videos before you launch your channel, and just have them you know, you can set the time on when you're going to release them, just release them you know, one a day, one a week, whatever you want the frequency to be. Mm-hmm. Just create a bunch in advance and keep going because that consistency is what's going to really drive numbers.
0: I also feel that, yeah, consistency really means a lot because. As a smaller person, I mean, all you really have is consistency. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, here, people aren't really watching because of your quality of videos. It probably is based around your consistency and how much you put them out, and how much either they enjoy you speaking. You know, the videos themselves yeah. are probably going to be average at best. But you having that consistent factor, being there a lot, means something to a lot of people. I always tell people, under mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier, understanding your audience means that if they like what you're doing, because I've been doing this for a long time, and I get this question asked as well. The, sec- the second one being the other one that I said earlier, which is how do you understand your audience? Well, or the other, other one, because they always word it this way. It's like, well, I'm new to this. Why would people want to watch me? Why would they like what I'm doing? Now I us talk to people this. Mm-hmm. Um, people like a lot of things that are generally considerably bad or not considered good. So well, that would go with any fandom. So for anyone who's going to watch this, understand this, you yourself will watch kind of anything. So why would you not extend that? to anybody else like yourself you know because another person I've, I've I've had on she comes on stream she's like i don't think people will be interested in what i have to say yes they would if yeah why would they not be there's no reason why they wouldn't be because that, that applies to literally everyone he's like weird universal concepts people only apply to everyone else but themselves like no people will watch you you won't it depends on what audience will eventually build given how consistent you might be at your thing there'll be an audience for you Mm-hmm. Like, don't you're yourself short. There are people that willing, will, willingly will hear your opinion. It just depends on what you're talking about.
1: That's Absolutely. It. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing people have to realize, the YouTube game, just like the comics game, uh, are habitual forms of entertainment. So people will mm-hmm. go to the comic store every Wednesday to get the new comics. Um, people, if, if your show is on um, a Monday night, people will wait for that show on Monday night. And you can take off every now and again, but if um, something happens and you're not able to do it for a right. while, you know people are going to fill that entertainment slot with something else. That's why uh, COVID was so damning for the comic industry in general. Mm-hmm. People couldn't go to the shops, they couldn't get there, and then they realize, uh, you know, I'll just watch Netflix or something. Uh, and then the habit is broken, and they don't they don't have pull lists, they don't buy the stuff that they were. Yeah, you had some
0: interesting people on, actually. You had Rene Draws on. You had um, Peter Simity. Sim- Simity. Simity, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Pete's a great guy.
0: Yeah, I have I wanted to talk to him, but he doesn't have a DMs, so I can't DM him. Uh, Rene, I think I DM'd oh. her once. She didn't answer. Probably because DMs get, you know, they get, like, thrown away until someone, like, accepts them, you know? Uh, she does fiendish, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Part of it's uh, you got to get lucky. Um, I had her on back before. Before she published fiendish one and she was like mm-hmm. oh i really hope i hit ten thousand in sales uh <laughs> As
0: people barely hit like a thousand I that's crazy <laughs>
1: uh you know and i and, and luckily she and i kind of have a connection um you know she's from taiwan uh i i speak taiwan mandarin i <laughs> my wife is taiwanese um so we're not like bffs and we don't like shoot each other a bunch of dms and stuff But Mm -hmm. she remembers who I am, uh, and you know, I I think she's always enjoyed when she's been on. So you know, I'm I'm able to still get her on. Uh, Pete's a great guy; he'll go on any show. I don't know. Yeah, try emailing him.
0: Try emailing? Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Try emailing the.
0: uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's. Oh man, she is super tough. Eon
0: Ranger. It's unfamiliar.
1: Eon Ranger.
0: Oh, the Chronicle experience you had. Oh, Jay, the oh. look Oh, you had busty heroines or Jay Ishrio. Oh, D. Jay
1: Ishiro Penny. Yeah, yeah, you should uh, hit him up. Uh, he and his wife Kat Rocha, are both on uh, Twitter. Um, yeah, yes. so well, actually, he's my editor on um, on my yeah, uh, I saw campaign. I was show.
0: watching your episode recently with him that you put mm-hmm. out about a month, two months, about months back. I was like, this guy's pretty insightful yeah because his twitter yeah. account when i went to it uh it was like this account doesn't exist so if you could ever have him oh really yeah i checked it out and oh he um the account wasn't there honestly
1: oh uh, Maybe well, he deactivated uh it. I'll, I'll send you him and his wife uh so his wife kat rocha she used to work for dc she was an editor there for a while um oh, so God. he yeah, they're they're two really interesting people. Boobs of Steel is a fantastic read. Um, for one, if you just want to know the the history of what the hell is going on in terms of like all the the media depictions of uh, you know different body types and why they have like, I'm sure he can move it into fat shaming. Uh, but specifically, why women have to look like men these days, uh, it, it explains it. But. For anyone who's a writer, he goes into the different female archetypes that are um, that make up books. So if you're writing women characters, you know, and you understand what the female archetypes are, you can write the characters much better. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it'd be like if you understand the difference between the techie geek and like the jock and, Mm -hmm. you know, how they would be different same kind of thing but for female characters so for anyone who's having trouble um making their women uh seem real in their books definitely go check out boobs the steel
0: yeah i would love to have some of these people on it seemed like pretty awesome you had um Ad, uh adam lawson was on oh, oh yeah, yeah 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 i forgot you you just started putting stuff out again you know and it's it, you're doing pretty good I'm pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. You know, as you know, as you know, uh make sure to clip out some of the highlights and put them out as videos mm-hmm. as you already know. and that's pretty much it. It's crazy. I don't follow you on Twitter yet. What the heck I'm probably follow you on Twitter. Yeah, I know that's
1: crazy. yeah I think you hate mm-hmm. me. You're probably an instafo <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I, have, I have Instagram, but that's one thing that I haven't uh, I don't really go on Instagram that much. Well,
0: Instagram is the thing where I, I don't really uh post on there as much anymore. I just, I don't know, just didn't really post there as much. I think, I don't know, it's a, it's one of those it's like a Facebook clone website that I've never really cared for as much. It's it's there, but I don't ever utilize much. I probably should, but I, I get lazy on those things. Social media posting outside of Twitter really doesn't hit for me. Like, I stopped posting on yeah. Facebook many, many years ago. I've done a Facebook post on about a couple, like, six, eight months at this point, you know? I, 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 the only thing Facebook is good for, the only thing they're good for now, is building groups. I think people should... Mm-hmm build if you're trying to build an indie book or a community facebook kind of is the best one for that building a community around your book the problem here with facebook is who still uses it how many people are starting to interact with it but getting a group a large group where you could just promote yourself into people that are just going to be there for you mm-hmm. i think what you said earlier getting yourself in the right places facebook honestly to me still has that best group feature you can get a big group of people that potentially might want to be there and you know buy your shit Potentially. It's all potential. It's all conversion rates, which are hard to measure generally, you know?
1: Yeah, it's uh, as much as I hate to say it, Facebook is uh, pretty good if you're aiming for a slightly older crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mo- a lot of kids don't use Facebook anymore. So yeah. if you're if you're aiming for teens, that might not be the one. Um, I, yeah, I think the problem news... will have
0: money. That's the thing. Younger people won't really have money. Yes. Older crowds will. yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They'll have money for books. They'll have money for merch. Mm -hmm. um all the stuff that you need to survive uh but i think the best is a newsletter
0: true i've seen people bring that back that's the thing that needs to come back more actually Mm
1: -hmm. are you gonna be
0: using that for your book coming out actually a newsletter
1: uh yes well my i'm using a little different strategy so um one in order to get more active users on my site so when the campaign guide comes out uh, the, the campaign guide itself is a full uh, storyline. It it's takes it got all the rules for the world, um, but I'm having additional content. So if you buy the physical copy of the book, um, uh-huh. you will get a free membership to the website. And every yeah. month on the website, I'm putting in more maps and more uh, modules. Mm-hmm. So these are modules that if you're like, well, you know, your campaign sucks, uh, that's fine. You could take these other modules and plug them into your own campaign. You can use them uh, in addition to the campaign book. You can just use them as um, one shots. Uh, it's great. So I'm writing some of those. Uh, I've got a guy um, named Bill Selby. He used to write modules for Gary Gygax, uh, the founder of d and He's doing a few for me. Um, so if you buy the physical book, you will get those for free. Or you could join the site and uh, you know pay for them a la carte or get a monthly subscription, but all the people who do uh, will get the newsletter. So um, for me, it's it's to me there's a little problem with newsletters is how do you know those people are actually interested in your product? With this, I'll be able to see you know, how many people are downloading the content every month, uh, and it'll be able to keep my list fresh. And then I'll be able to better uh, target, you know, who would really pay for the things that I want to put out. So and it's, you know, I can see what's popular, what's not popular, it gives me a lot more data on what people are interested in.
0: Yes, and as we end this out, uh, is there any shout-outs you want to give to anyone in particular and anything else you
1: want to say before we close out? Uh, Shout-outs to anyone in particular? Well, just thanks to everyone in the community, everyone uh, who is watching this video. Come check me out uh, on YouTube. Just look for Yang Yan Zhao. You'll find me. Mm -hmm. Um, And thank you very much uh, for having me on. I was kind of surprised.
0: Yeah, anytime, you know. Uh, I told people there's no barrier to entries here. Um, well, outside of having a decent mic, which is sometimes hard to come by (laughs) for some people, you know. I I don't need to ever talk to a liberal person, though. I will, I will probably like, This sounds like a load of horse shit. (laughs) I don't want to be the person that doesn't give anyone a platform, you know, unless I just actually just don't like you, then I wouldn't entertain that, you know, because yeah,
1: for sure, for sure.
0: I don't want people suffering through that because, like, I was been on the mindset too. I want to be the if you're someone that watches what I do, or this is how I. Has to have a standard for myself when I watch was I want to be able to watch this without feeling like, I'm, like it's insufferable. You know, people have like drama streams, like that's just so mm-hmm. insufferable. Like that's not entertaining. Mm-hmm. I don't know if i entertaining. No. It's so boring, you know? Because you know, at the end of the day, these motherfuckers will be like, all these streams, they'll be like, yeah, it's over. Yeah, I'm done. Next day on Twitter, bitch about the same stuff. <laughs> don't want any of that here anymore. I'm good. I'm a little too old now. My back's killing me. Ugh. But we'll end <laughs> off right here. Thank you guys for watching so much. Uh, make sure to check out Yang 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 Zhao on YouTube. He'll be putting out his book very soon, and we'll see you guys.